You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I was defending Steve Clifford. <laughs> Steve Clifford, I think he did a great job. You sound just like that guy. It's Wes. He's going to uh, ask you to come and do press conferences for him just behind a black curtain so he doesn't have to do it. And Walker. I like Clifford, the, the big red dog. It was my favorite childhood <laughs> book. Getting in shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> I like dogs in general. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. That was- is a good book. Finished up talking about the Charlotte Hornets as we transition into the two o'clock hour. And an eight oh of eight five zero number said, "Guys, it's because the Hornets don't have Tsunami Poppy. Defense was stellar. LOL. That's true. Which, by the way, speaking of Tsunami Poppy, is he back now? I know he had a weird story about getting hit by a car. And I mean, the- you tell us, Walker, is he back? Or oh, don't you put that on me? <laughs> Smoke as soon as Tsunami Poppy." The report was out that he got hit by a car. This man, Fitty, had the audacity to text me and say, what did you do? Or you just talked to me about it in the fishbowl. Yeah. But you tried to put that on me. Yeah, and he's I, not back yet. He's not back yet. I didn't know that because I had nothing to do with it. And so, damn you, Fitty, for trying to put that on me. Poor Kelly Oubre is probably like in some dungeon like Charlie Harper is in Two and a Half Men for four years. We're never going to see the Tsunami Poppy ever again. You just finished that, didn't you? Two and a half men. Did you just finish it recently? Like two weeks ago. Okay. Did it deliver at the end? I was glad it was over. That show, that show, you talk about shows hanging on for way too long. One of the top examples. They were even making fun of themselves for hanging on too long (laughs) by breaking the fourth wall. It was so weird at the end. Just to update you guys, too, he should be back on Wednesday for their matchup against the Wizards. All right. Also, John Cryer is bald now. And if you see John Cryer bald, you can see why I'm hesitant to not be bald. Well, this is this reminds me of a question that we had at the beginning of the show. I, I forgot to ask it, but we were all being SEC homers. We were saying that we actually agree with the committee for putting Alabama in over Florida State, even if we didn't feel good about it. And I said we should all shave our heads like Paul Feinbaum. That led me to, I already know the answer to this question, but who would look the worst with a uh, with a Paul Feinbaum haircut, and it's pretty clearly me. I would look by far the worst with a Paul Feinbaum haircut. Yeah, and it, that's fine. I accept that. But can you imagine how bad I would look? I mean, Fitty, you've talked about it. Let's just call it what it is. You're already a little bald. That's okay. We still love you. I told him he needs to go full ball with a big, well manicured beard. And I'm telling him it will work wonders for him, but he but won't if, listen. If you just came on home, like Bomani Jones says, then you'd be looking great. Yeah, but I look at John Cryer, and he's bald, and <laughs> he doesn't look great. And I don't want to walk around but looking like a cue ball. Is John Cryer Josh Fitty Marlowe? He's not. That's a great you point. You guys are two different people. What about you, Wes? Would you ever shave your head? Yes, if I started going bald. But what about, have you ever done it before? I have. Really? Yeah, I did. I did it when I was at Florida because one of the hazing things that they did to us was to mess up your hair on purpose. They come with the clippers and just cut big chunks of your hair out. And so I just cut all of mine off. So, yeah, I did that. How did it look? It looked fine. Okay. What did Mama Brian think about bald Um, I'm trying to think because, see, back then you didn't necessarily have – I'm trying to think if I (laughs) – this sounds crazy. I'm trying to think if I had a phone that took pictures yet because I know I didn't get one until, like, my – Third year college, I think I got a camera phone. Oh, what year was that? Like 
03, 04. That was, I remember when the first <laughs> camera phones came out. One of my oh, friends big in elementary school, their mom came to just like eat lunch with them or whatever. Uh-huh. And she had a camera phone and yeah. we all thought we were in the year like 20, Yeah, 45. yeah. So yeah, um, I can't remember. I don't think that she saw me like that. Okay. Because I cut it bald and then I just let it grow back naturally and then got a haircut. Yeah. Uh, Brian texting in saying, Walker, please never go bald. Yeah, don't worry. I'm... Like, I feel like I'm okay. I feel like I've dodged any of those things. He said, yeah, you'd look like an extra in American History X. It's a great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching that. He's not wrong, though. Uh, He's not wrong. Yeah, I would look like that. All right, let's move away from that conversation. I don't like it anymore. Time now for the Live Wire. With Live Wire Connect. Live Wire's on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. So Chris Tabor has already met with the media today over at Bank of America Stadium, and we kind of glossed over the Brian Burns incident where he got ejected yesterday, and Chris Tabor talked about the message he gave to his team after their best defensive player got ejected. Sometimes guys try to make plays because they're, they're, they're pressing. You know, and I talk about being loose. I, I, I say you got to let things happen for you, not to you. And when you start letting things happen to you, those are those are the things that, that come up. And the nice thing about that is really deep down, if you step away, you're the one that controls all that. So uh, that that has that has to be a mindset. I'll be honest with you. I went into yesterday's game and I said to myself on well, probably Thursday night as you're playing the game, I said, well, this should come down. Let's get it to the fourth quarter. Eddie's going to need to make a kick to win this thing. And, and let's go. And when we got the ball back there at the end of the fourth quarter, I said, okay, just what I anticipated. So the, I, it, you're in a very calm state. I think you have to think those things through and play it over and over again. And then that way it, it does allow you to play loose and because you've already experienced where you're, where you're at. Let's play the what-if game. Guys, do you think if Brian Burns doesn't get ejected from the game, the Panthers get their second win of the season? Ooh. Yeah, uh, I'll say no on that. I mean, I don't think defensive players are affecting the spread that much. I mean, he didn't get a sack in the game prior to him getting kicked out, so I'm going to go no on that. Well, I mean, it reminds me of the Tampa Bay game last year, and people were discussing J.C. Horn's absence, allowing Tampa Bay to win like they did because Mike Evans had a couple of bombs that he caught. Well, his bomb yesterday came against Troy Hill, J.C. Horn not covering him out of the game. And it just reminds me it's the same thing again. I'm not saying J.C. Horn playing more. He was on a pitch count. Right. But if he would have played more, they would have won. No, I'm not going to entertain that as much either. I, I like it. Fitty's been trying to be positive Panther Fitty over there the last he couple has weeks. Been. Dude, 1-11, man. I, there's I appreciate there's, there's, it. There's, there's enough negativity in the world. We need positivity. What, what I like is that last week you actually did stick your toe in the water, in the playoff water again. At 1-10. And they were the first team eliminated from playoff contention after yesterday's loss. They were. I love that. It doesn't matter. You still see the light at the end of the tunnel, even if you're underground and there's no beam of light shining through. The best part was I watched yesterday's game over at my Mama's, And so when she, when, they, when the, the announcers made it known that they were eliminated, she was like, they were one in 10 and not eliminated from the playoffs. Why you watch this crap? And I was like, Mom, it's the NFC South. One in 10 is very much still alive. 
All right, Wes, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have to hear more takes from Mama. That's what I'm going to have to do. Me too. Oh, She's I'm got plenty 100%. of them. I want to hear these takes. I'm gonna, I want to hear them from her for sure, but also from Fiddy impersonating her. Yeah, that was not the best small impression. Well, too bad. It was entertaining to me. I feel like we need to explore that a little more. <laughs> um, you mentioned J.C. Horn playing on a snap count. Chris Tabor said today his workload it will increase as the season moves along. Has his first game back. You want to you want to work him right back in there and, and and get him up to speed. And I think that uh, he's recovered nicely. So uh, I, I I do see that happening. Wes, what type of impact do you think the shutdown corner will have on this defense throughout the remainder of the season? Uh. <laughs> I mean, this has been a pretty solid defense all year long. I mean, he will probably add to that once he gets his feet under him, so to speak. I mean, he had to come back yesterday, shake a little bit of the rust off, and that will continue on until uh, as the weeks go by. But, you know, this has been a good defense statistically, and I think that he will only help that as being one of the better players on said unit. Yeah, if you let Pro Football Focus tell it, he played 32 snaps yesterday and had a 90 defensive grade, 90.7 grade in coverage. And Dante Jackson played well yesterday, too. Thought both of those Yeah, guys. he made some nice plays. Yeah, he did. Um, been playing better the second half. It was a rough start for him. As much as I thought I came in with the take, I think this is going to be Dante's best season. Looking very poor for me at the beginning. Missing a lot of tackles. Been playing a lot better, though. So we'll see if he can end up in a good spot. J.C. Horn, Dante, clearly better than the other options they have. C.J. Henderson, not a good game from him. <laughs> yeah. Troy Hill, as much as I actually respect what Troy Hill has done this year for he Carolina. He looked over the hill yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, he did. It looked bad for him, especially on that bomb to Mike Evans. What else you got for me, Fitty? All right, let's transition back to the college football where the playoff is now set. And the committee has come, has come under fire by multiple people uh, locally and nationally, including Booger McFarlane, who sounded off on the playoffs uh, decision to leave Florida State out of the Final Four. This is a travesty to the sport. Because we go out there on the field and we play the game. And regardless of whether it looks good at the quarterback position, regardless of whether we win with offense, whether we win with defense, the name of the game is to win. And that's a reason never before has this not been done. Winning a Power 5 conference, going undefeated, and not getting into the playoff. So I, I understand we want to look at style points. And who are we going to get for the best matchups? But that's not what this is about. This is about understanding to get the four best teams. One team has a loss, and that's Alabama. One team doesn't in Florida State. And the fact that this committee could take a Power 5 conference champion that's undefeated, those kids have went out there and busted their behind and not get into the playoff based on the eye test. Mind you, this is the same Alabama team who needed a prayer in Jordan Hare to beat an Auburn team that lost to New Mexico State. So that's really what has me bothered right now. Now, for some of you that may not know, Booger McFarland played at the SEC. He played at LSU, so he came from big boy football. And unlike Paul Feinbaum, very open to being critical of the SEC getting in over an undefeated Power 5 ACC champion. Do you put any more stock in the argument for Florida State with SEC people arguing that they should have been in over Alabama? Well, two things right here as well, you know, and everybody has biases to an extent. So I will say for Booger, LSU guy for sure, you know, they we know they hate Alabama, but then too, this is a defensive player and I've seen opinions uh, from multiple guys already, and from the defensive guys, you've heard how much of a travesty this is. And then from offensive guys, you've heard that they've gotten it right, whether you talk about uh, Joey Galloway felt like that they got it right. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson felt like that they got it right. 
Uh, Greg McElroy, obviously Alabama quarterback, felt that they got it right. But then Richard Sherman was very upset about this. Booger McFarlane was upset about this because uh, football and every league that you look at, the rules have been turned to cater more towards offensive play. And as far as what fans want to see, I, I keep saying this over and over again, but if Florida State had look, had have looked better playing their games offensively, I think that they would have gotten into this tournament. But I just think that they felt like they didn't want to see a defensively led a defensive led football team get into this tournament and have to struggle against all the other teams that were at full strength and so i think that's a little bit of what's at play with mcfarland but what he said obviously uh, i lend a lot of credence to that and he spoke his opinion and that's certainly building a case for florida state and I, i didn't think anything he said was a lie but at the end of the day I just thought that Alabama is a hot football team. They're playing really great football. And the thing about Alabama is you know you're going to get a quality football game, win or lose out of them. You're not going to blow Alabama away. Like, you're going to have to earn it if you beat Nick Saban in the tide. And so that's another part of this as well, that you're going to get a great product. Maybe I'm wrong on this, but also so many people are you know, putting out the point that it's terrible for those kids at Florida State to have not lost a game and not get to the college football playoff. I get that. I absolutely feel bad for them. I don't know if I feel great informing Alabama and the players that didn't make it last year also. I'm not feeling great about telling those players, hey, I don't care if you beat the number one team in the country. I don't care if you beat the 11th team in the country in Ole Miss. I don't care if you gave LSU one of their three losses. Yes, I know Florida State did too. So did Alabama. And then they have a couple of other wins that are against teams that are ranked in the top 13. They have three wins against teams that are ranked in the top 13. I'm not skipping to go tell them that they didn't get to the college football playoff in exchange for Florida State. Here we are talking about sympathy for the football players. Okay, are we losing it? Telling Alabama despite doing what they did, which is impressive. Let's go off of their resume too. Florida State didn't lose a game. That's incredible. If you want to argue they deserve to be in, I totally get it. But Alabama have a lot of great wins on their schedule. I would argue that they have three better wins than the best one that Florida State has on their resume. Well, one coinciding with LSU, so that counts. But also with Ole Miss being up there and also Georgia, which is the end-all be-all. Then at least with the best win conversation, I can see why that strength of schedule what they were able to accomplish would also call for them to be the fourth best team in college football to get into the playoff. Sorry, Booger. We're going to end with uh, more ball talk, Walker. Okay. Because Sad Cat from Lancaster says if you were bald, you would look like a kneecap. Mm -hmm. Which insult has hurt you more? That you look like Kyle Singler Mm. or that if you were bald, you would look like a kneecap? Singler. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Not Kyle Singler, man. Man, that's how you know he's one well, ugly. I did not like Kyle Singler growing up. Really did not like Kyle Singler. You got to dress up for him for a whole show. God, I can't wait. Yeah, no. What are you going to do with the hair? You got to get, get a lot of grease. I don't know. I'll think about it during the break. We can talk about it later. We also have to finish up on more college football playoff discussion. Also, what did we learn about the individual players from this Panthers game yesterday at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ?
getting funky on a Monday, okay? This is the Wesley Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep those texts coming on the Charlotte Men's Clinic. Text line 704-570-9610. Had a lot of uh, bald talk going on on there. College football yeah. talk as well. Got called a kneecap. Yeah, the text line is on fire right now. So uh, going back to the Panthers in that 21-18 defeat they suffered at the hands of Tampa Bay. And looking at some of the individual players yesterday and some of the performances that we got, a couple of guys stepped up. And we knew it was going to happen with a new coach coming in. There would be uh, some performances that would be out of the ordinary or some players that would come out of obscurity and put up some numbers. And one of those guys yesterday was Shuba Hubbard. Uh, He went over 100 yards yesterday. And so it was his third career 100-yard rushing game, first since week 16 of the 2022 season. He also recorded a single-game career high in rushing attempts. Second time this season, the Buccaneers had allowed a 100-yard rusher and the first since week three uh, against the Eagles. And so do you feel like with what you've seen from Chuba Hubbard all season long, because this has been a guy that even in limited carries has made the most. He's been a great value back. Um, as far as just what you get out of him with how you use him. Is he a guy that you would point to and say is one of the winning players on this roster, a guy that you feel like in the rebuild going forward could be not necessarily a cornerstone, won't go that far, but do you feel like you may have the starting running back position settled off what you've seen from him? I, I would like a little more dynamic play in the pass game from my starting running back, but if you're handing that thing off, I trust Chuba to pick up those hard-earned yards, man. He's really impressed me, really starting from the second half of last season. When Steve Wilkes took over, that's when Chuba really started to shine. I remember even at the beginning of last year with Steve Wilkes, with Matt Rule at the helm, and then Steve Wilkes taking over. You know, I, I think he had the special teams fumble, if I'm not mistaken. He just was dropping passes that had been a problem his first two years in the league. And I think that's what didn't allow him to get out on the field. Of course, also playing behind Christian McCaffrey. You're not going to see the field when McCaffrey's on the roster. But then it was Chuba and Deontay Foreman who did an excellent job. Remember, Chuba ran for 100 yards alongside Deontay Foreman last year. And here he is for the first time reaching the century mark. And Wes, it didn't matter if they went out and made a pretty big running back signing in Miles Sanders. The biggest free agent running back signing this past offseason. Doesn't matter. You have every reason in the world to roll with Miles Sanders. Maybe you could argue that it was Miles Sanders more so not performing that allowed Chuba that opportunity, but Chuba's taken it and ran with it. So I like what Chuba's doing. I think for me, he's a guy that can be on a good running back contract because, you know, I don't want to pay anybody. He'd be on a good running back contract that I don't know if there's going to be a ton of teams and unrestricted free agency that are swooping in and saying, hey, we'll give you all the money in the world. I just don't feel like that's going to happen. So you keep him here. Maybe you bring in another back that is a little more dynamic in the past game because that's not with Miles Sanders. Blackshear doesn't play enough. We'll see, but just doesn't feel like they view him as that kind of back consistently. Yeah, I like Chuba being here long term. I'd have no problem with that. Yeah, I think he's a guy that you could look at as being uh, a part of this offense going forward. I mean, he averages four yards for his career right under that this season at 3.9. This is a player that's in his third year this season, and he's put up pretty solid numbers. I mean, he's at 557 yards and four scores. Uh, You know, he's played 12 games. They got five more left. So he could get close 
uh, to that thousand yard mark if they continue to feed him the ball like this. Uh, not sure if he'll go over it, but I could see him getting into that eight nine hundred range. Uh, and I think just from what you've seen, this is a young player that's continuing to develop and get better. Well, and wouldn't it be foolish to get away from this style? What what else has worked? Yeah. It'd be foolish to not hand the ball off to Chuba Hubbard a lot. Mix in Miles Sanders just to give Chuba a breather. Maybe some Blackshear here and there. But this is what was successful last year with QB play that you were scared of. Bryce Young hasn't been phenomenal this season. A lot because of the pieces that are around him. But what you know is that for the most part, this is a better run-blocking offensive line. And Chuba has been one of your more productive offensive players. Yes, everybody writing it on the text line saying that says more about the Panthers roster. I do not disagree with you whatsoever. Yes, that's the point. <laughs> but the fact, yes, that that's all true, but so be it. It's true. Chuba's one of the more productive offensive players. Give him the football. See what you can do on play action. Challenge downfield a little bit more. Get used to this system and see if you can end the year on a positive note. That stuff matters. Like ending this year on a positive note, trying to bring Bryce Young along as much as possible before you hit the offseason, Wes, that matters a lot. You would love to have some kind of good feeling before you head into a sophomore year. And if this is the way, this is the way. Couldn't agree with you more. And so another guy that you want to end the year the right way, and it looks like maybe starting to make a few strides, Jonathan Mingo. He set single-game career highs yesterday in receptions. He had six of those. And receiving yards, 69. And that won't blow anybody away, but this is a guy that Panthers fans, I'm sure, have been waiting on uh, to see what he can deliver to get glimpses at this point. And so for him to come out and have the output that he did, especially on a day where the weather wasn't great, he was able to put up some decent numbers coming off of a four-catch, 60-yard performance against Tennessee. And so what did we find out yesterday about Jonathan Mingo, if anything? That I think there is still some uh, yards after the catch potential with him. He got schemed open on the sideline throw. There wasn't any uh, just making a move on a route and then breaking away. That big 30-yard reception he had was a, a nice scheme, and then he's dangerous with the football in his hand. But, I mean, pretty clearly the best game from him yesterday against Tampa Bay. There, this was the place I think to attack Tampa quite a bit. Now they ran the ball just because it feels like that's what the Panthers could do better going forward. Tampa previously being very good against the run last two weeks, they've not been stopping the run nearly as well, but the cornerbacks, all the injuries that they had, Wes, you and I both talked about last week. Maybe this is the thing that gets a Mingo or a chart going. And we did get to see those guys more involved than usual. Plus with Thomas Brown as the OC, a guy that at the Rams, uh, with the Rams under Sean McVay, putting guys more in motion. Maybe we could see it more so going forward. You're yeah. laughing a little bit. You're smiling. There's no, a little I was thinking bit of about something completely different than that. Okay. Yeah. You want to share or is it not really? Pertinent? I'll share it in a little bit. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lead but us I still want to stay on topic. <laughs> I want right. to stay on topic. All right. All right. So when you look at Bryce Young and what he was able to do and what he's done this season, Trying to stay in in the positive lane here. What has been your favorite physical aspect of Bryce's game? Because we know the mental. We've we've heard the press conferences. We've seen the resilience. He keeps getting up and coming back. He doesn't lay on the mat, even though he's been put there 44 times, uh, to be exact, not to mention all of the hits. But 
Do you have a favorite physical attribute of Bryce or something that you look at and say, man, you know, this is why he can be this? I, it's got to be his legs for me. Just, I think, using his legs, moving in the pocket to try to throw downfield. But also, we saw him with the two-point conversion yesterday. That was a smart move. Spinning, pirouetting was a pretty nice pirouette into the end zone. I like that. But we had the caller, I think it was Marquise, saying he'd like to see Bryce use his legs more. We were calling for that in the preseason. I think the coaching staff was a little scared to use that before we get to meaningful games. That would be what I point to. Like I I can't see arm strength as, whoo, buddy, just a laser beam fired in there, in there to that tight window. I don't yeah. see that. I, he's He can be accurate throwing deep. We just don't see it a lot. I think it's the maneuverability, and I think it's the legs for me. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was wondering where you were going to go, but for me, just the propensity to be a playmaker. He's got a lot of potential there. You could see that with the right weapons around him where he's able to have some guys that can break open when the play breaks down and really be able to make some plays. I think you're going to really see how special he can be there. Um, so I, I would point to that too, the way he can avoid uh, a rush when it's a – you know, plausible situation that he can get out of there. He showed that when he gets out of there that he can hurt teams too, man. So I just think that people could just continue to stay patient. And once they get uh, the requisite weapons around him and improve some of these things, I think we're going to see uh, some of the best of what Bryce has to offer. So uh, we split up this section of the show right here. So we hit on some of our Panther topics. And so diving back, uh, into the college football world yet again. And so we got to see um, all of the bowl matchups yesterday. But I guess I would start with the conversation that's been dominating the day, but going with our early college football playoff favorite uh, at this point based off the field. Who do you like off an initial glance without, uh, you know, actually time to study and look at these teams as we are very far off from the matchup. Well, Nick Saban is going to be hard to bet against now. He's in. They found a way, despite losing at the beginning of the season to Texas, a team that's also in here. But Nick Saban with the dynamic quarterback now and Jalen Milrow, who got benched at the beginning of the season, uh, we all thought, oh, Alabama's just not going to make it this year. They're not going to be a part of the equation. And here they are after beating Georgia. I think Alabama is one that I'm real scared of. If I had to choose, I still think I'd go with Michigan. I know that they struggled a little bit scoring against Iowa, but that defense has been sensational all year long. And J.J. McCarthy is a QB that I do trust, even if they've been relying more so with Blake Corum and you know relying on the run game. J.J. McCarthy not being atop of everybody's board, maybe like outside of Drake May and Caleb Williams, the knock is... J.J. hasn't had to put the offense on his shoulders a lot in order to win. I'm one that just, I think he can do it. I think the fact that J.J. does have the type of accuracy, I do think that he has the tools in order to bring you some dynamic plays, some talk about physical attributes. I think J.J. McCarthy has that. I think Michigan is probably my favorite, the number one team. I know it's bland, but I think Michigan is the team that I would roll with. Uh, yeah, I just think that Alabama got into this tournament. They're the team that nobody wants to play. We saw that Michigan reaction. Nick Saban is 9-4 and four in the college football playoffs, and we know that this team is as hot as ever. Jalen Milrow has been on fire as far as the play uh, that he's been able, the plays that he's been able to make, that defense with Dallas Turner and the crew. Uh, they're out there. And you know what the Nick Saban team, you're going to have to beat them. Like, this is not going to be an easy out. 
They travel. It doesn't matter where they go. It doesn't matter who they play. They bring their A game with them in most instances. And so uh, with that said, Alabama is my early favorite for this one as much as I hate it, folks. I do want you to understand that. I do not personally <laughs> want to see Alabama win this championship, but it just feels inevitable at this point. Fiddy, do you have an early pick right now? I mean, I, I I hear you on Bama. This feels like Michigan's time under Jim Harbaugh. He at least has to make the national title game. Like, three straight playoff appearances. You can't be one and done. And I'll say this. If if Jonathan Brooks, the Texas running back, was healthy, I think Texas, because no one's talking about him, would maybe be the most scariest team in the field. And this is a team that went to Alabama and beat them by double digits. And they kind of seem forgotten about. I think Washington is a team that could very well end up playing in the national title game. But they've averaged 44 points per game the first six games of the year. The last six, that number drops all the way down to 31. That offense not the same the second half of the season. Maybe the month off they get healthy, they get refreshed, they, 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 they find their mojo. But to me, I think Michigan is the best team in the country. Well, and I feel like Washington, at least in recent memory, we've seen disrespected, undefeated teams before. Hello, Florida State. You are the most disrespected that we've had in quite some time. I understand your anger with all of this. Washington, remember, we all went into that Oregon Pac-12 championship game and thought the Ducks were going to pull that thing out. Yeah. The Ducks were the favorite by what? How, what was the spread? Nine, on? Nine I was going to say, big favorites. And yet Washington, despite having a couple of hiccups at the end here and there, they find a way. And the reason I say undefeated teams with the the least amount of respect, with that resume, because you can't go to their strength of schedule and say, oh, well, they didn't play anybody, Paul. They didn't play nobody. Like, they did. They actually did play a really impressive schedule. They found a way to win every single one of those games. And yet still, people just can't get on board with them being the favorite. There is, if you wanted to have a little bit of a gripe within how the four is arranged, not who got in, but with how they're arranged, people are angry at the committee for using the eye test on Michigan, despite not a pretty win against Iowa, having Michigan still be ahead of Washington, but Washington clearly having the better strength to schedule overall, beating Oregon twice, yep. and just the entire conference record. It feels like with the type of strength to schedule that they have, that resume, I would not expect to be this disrespected, and yet it is with them being ranked second and not many people picking them to win the championship. Yep, so tomorrow we're going to get into the local bowl matchups for our teams, and we're going to look at some of those and examine some of our favorite matchups there. So when we come back, we close this thing down on the Wesson Walker Show. This is Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. struggling after eating a couple of donuts in pretty quick time because the break only lasts so long and so I'm shoving donuts in my face and uh, now I'm coming off of like this weird tummy <laughs> ache but also sugar high a little bit in the twilight zone right now big shout out to a certain listener that doesn't like to be mentioned when they send out donuts but we really appreciate it I will abide by you not wanting us to mention your name but because we talked about the SEC and we usually don't this listener sent us some donuts. It was very much appreciated and delicious. They were elf-themed donuts. They look great. They are great. Um, and, man, they really decked out these donuts. Like, they put little elf things on them. They're just like the logo, the Will Ferrell elf logo. 
edible. Did not realize that. Um, little Santa donuts with a little belt buckle and everything. I mean, he he balled out on these donuts, so I appreciate it. Yeah, they did too. And then the one in there that was uh, made after the bowl of spaghetti he had with the M&Ms and all the sugary <laughs> yeah. stuff in there as well. So uh, very well done and well conceptualized. Mm. I feel like the Christmas donut is the best holiday donut. Like whenever these places do special things, I think Christmas is the one they get the most creative. Also, I know I've gone on record saying that when Carolina leaves the ACC, that would close the book on my fandom of college athletics. I think we I all know about that. I think we all know it's a lie and I'm, I'd be a fraud. Yeah, we called you out on it immediately. Yeah. I, SEC fitty if Carolina joins the SEC would be rather unbearable. I would become the it just means more guy like mm-hmm. overnight. Give me the pom pom. I would be the SEC uh, lover that, that 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 Paul Feinbaum is. Didn't know where you were going there. It scared me a little bit. Anytime you pause that long, I get increasingly more scared of what you're going to say. Yeah, I had to change the word I was going to use. Self awareness is usually a problem with Fitty. Yeah. Totally self-aware move right there. Because he's so right. If he were to become an SEC uh, Carolina fan in the SEC, he would be the worst SEC fan that we know. Yeah. Um, All right. So, Wes Wes isn't here. He doesn't I am here. No, he's not. No, what's happening? (laughs) What do you want me to say? No, no, what's happening? No, I just, this is what I want to illustrate to the people. Uh Uh-huh. Because you're sitting there laughing. You're giving me, "Uh uh-huh. Yep, he would be. Yep. You get your phone ready, Uh right? You want to tell the people what kind of pack no. you're smoking on this week? <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. This is actually, your time. I was going to ask Fiddy if we had time to uh, queue it up. Okay. What? This is this is your platform. This is what you wanted to wait on. Fiddy, hit hit the music. Let's go. Oh, he's calling a foul on himself. Yeah, this better go. be good. They'll look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. <laughs> that was scary. I don't even, I don't even know if I want to see that. Time we got Fiddy. You got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question okay. is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> This goes out to you, Philadelphia Eagles fans. I saw your text. I heard everything you had to say, okay? Yesterday was one win. Didn't mean much in the grand scheme of things because I've had my heart broken by my Niners losing in the Super Bowl twice to Kansas City and Baltimore. So I just want to get back there and win it. But boy, did we put that doubt in your heads yesterday. After you hurt Brock Purdy last year and you guys disregarded it. Oh, it it, it didn't mean anything. We're the best team. And then you went and got your ass kicked by Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess what happened yesterday? They came back in there with the quarterback that you hurt in the first quarter and hung 42 on you. 42 to 19. Your little fans with the bad little kids can't raise their kids right, running around, sticking up middle fingers to people. I saw them saying the slurs to the Niners fans on Saturday. Well, guess what? You rude. Cheesesteak eating. Liberty Bell cracking. Rocky movie watching. Jerks up there in Philly. Had to sit there quiet as hell yesterday. Your security guard, everybody. Your hold this L. Meek Mill, Will Smith, everybody in Philly. Hold this L today. The Niners came through and punked you Big hits, big offensive plays. It was a masterpiece to watch. 
You better understand the 49ers have pedigree, something that the Philadelphia Eagles don't have. They come anywhere, anytime, any place, and will give you the business, just like Montana and Rice did back in the day. Purdy and the crew, Big Debo came in there yesterday and shut y'all the hell up, as you were. You want to tell them to shut the music off like Fire and Fizzle? Nah, we don't need to do that. Okay. I just had to give them a little bit of work because those Philly fans are unbearable, so I had to give them some smoke today. How happy were you, Fitty? Because you just talked about how much you hate the Philadelphia Eagles. Almost as much as you hate the Duke Blue Devils. Yeah. That's how strong it is. Were you excited about San Francisco getting the type of win that they did? Oh, yeah. And I want to give myself props. Because I texted Wes during the game. <laughs> and congratulated him on the win. I was like, man, this was because I didn't see it coming. I mean, that was the game of the year in a lot of people's mind, watching those two teams play. After negative six yards in the first quarter, now it's 42-19. to 19. And Wes was out here, just one game, it doesn't mean nothing. And, I, and, 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 dude, I hate the Niners. Like, they're right there behind the Eagles. So I was giving them praise, and now it sets up for the game of the year in the NFC East. Cowboys, Eagles, Sunday night football in Jerry World. We got to an argument last Friday about Dak Prescott being an MVP candidate. And if he wins the game, the Cowboys get vaulted into first place. It stamps his approval as being an MVP type of quarterback this year. So um, I was I was really thrilled to see uh, San Francisco go in the Philadelphia and win. Because deep down, we know they're shaking in their boots. They don't want to see the star again in the playoffs. And I've never... Oh my God! <laughs> me. But anyway, <laughs> no. Stop but I'll never be tracks. a biggest Dallas Cowboy fan than I will be this weekend because I want them to handle business too. Because Philly could drop, if I'm not mistaken, to the five. Yeah. If they lose this game, and so I told people, and I told those Philly fans when they were running around winning all these close games and throwing picks and getting by on the hell and then chinny chin ten that the last seventeen quarterbacks that have lost a Super Bowl never, never made it back. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, cause we were smoking on that Eagles pack. You were, you feel me? It was, it was a bad, <laughs> it was a beat down, and so you beat down on Dallas earlier this year, and you did the same thing against Philadelphia. So two of the teams that we would consider atop the NFC, along with San Francisco, you absolutely destroyed so far. Does this mean that they're the best team in the NFL? Yes. It's not even really a question when they play to their standard. Well, of course, but when we're talking, I think it's more so people would say when they're healthy. Yeah. When when San Francisco Which was is, any NFL team, yeah, but but all but maybe even more so with San Francisco because. I mean, but but Wes, were they not healthy during the three game loser? They just weren't playing. No, they weren't. were banged up. Debo was out. Uh, Trent Williams missed a game or so. Yeah. Then you had Purdy getting a concussion, and everybody wondering what was up with that. So they had some some guys banged up. No, they were. Yeah, that was one of the things I think most 49er fans would lean on. You know, they got beat by the Bengals 31-17, the Vikings on the road, Browns 19-17. They lost. The yeah. offense just didn't put up many points yeah. in a two-week stretch. And that Browns week, game, they were in position to win that game at the end. Kicker just missed the kick. Yeah, so 17 points a pop in that three-game stretch, but guys started getting healthy in 34-27, 31-42. Those are the point totals. Now the guys are back. And Brock Purdy, I mean, oh. Don't get me started. That's my quarterback. Hey, man, I will say this. Just to, <laughs> Do you want me to end on a sour note? I know you're about to say something crazy. Go ahead. All the work done by the pass catchers yesterday. Oh, yeah. It right. was – I mean, he was throwing right, – right. I mean, that was Frank Reich's offense coming to life in San Francisco. We're going to throw mm -hmm. the ball short, 
and we're going to watch our guys run after the catch. I mean, it was, look, it was amazing. Like Debo, Samuel, you talked about it during the break. Maybe the uh, best tackle breaker at the wide receiver position. Jawan Jennings, also a dude. Man, I'll be telling people about Jawan. I've been telling people about him for the last two seasons, man. One of the best slots in the league. Very strong. Yeah, all of them making incredible moves to bring it to the distance. So, no, I'm playing. Purdy played well, though. No, Purdy played well. Purdy played well. The touchdown passes... We we can be like yeah. Debo had some nice yak. I mean, it was, sure. it was crazy Big time. Yak. Yeah, seven touches, over 130 yards, and three touchdowns. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, DK Metcalf did that though on Thursday against yes, a better did. defense. So I mean, who's a better yak guy? No, they did a not play defense. like the better defense. They did not. Ooh. San Francisco. It was bad, man. 49ers hammered the Seahawks at home. You got we didn't to have to win a shootout you, right. you, you know, look, at home. Maybe one day the Panthers can be listed atop these NFC teams that we're discussing. <laughs> maybe one day, but one not, day, not quite, not quite at the start of the Chris Tabor era. That'll do it for Weston Walker. Thanks again for joining us from 12 to 3 p.m. Keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.